to the Real Rural Women's Leadership podcast series. This project is funded through the Department of Agriculture, Water and Environment. It is led by Care Ballon in St. George, Ballon Shire in southwest Queensland in conjunction with a team of researchers led by Dr. Sarah Casey at the University of the Sunshine Coast. The team includes Dr. Gail Crimmins, Dr. Saskia de Klerk and Dr. Karen Hands alongside Professor Jackie Hewitt from Griffith University. This podcast series is about building women's capacity, empowerment, strategic communication, and business leadership skills. This series is eclectic. We interview community and business leaders, entrepreneurs, academics, communication and media experts, an empowerment and confidence leader, and CEOs, the agitators and the advocates. Our hope is that this series might act as an inspiration and information toolkit for others. You can find more information about our project at www.realruralwomensleadership.com. All episodes contain show notes about the guests with links to their stories. So settle in and enjoy the series as together we chat with these remarkable women. Today, I am honoured to be joined with Anne Ross. Anne Ross is the Queensland State Chair for AgriFutures Rural Women's Award Committee. Anne has a background in startups with a focus on emerging industries and is a regionally renowned beekeeper here on the Sunshine Coast. Her company, Hive Haven, specialises in the manufacture of award-winning native bee boxes and the production of an Australian stingless bee honey and pollinator seed mixes. Anne's future vision for the Rural Women's Award is that rural women identify themselves as a movement of leaders who are proud of the role they play in developing and supporting Australia's rural industries. Anne believes that every woman has a personal journey with no two the same. We're actually going to be finding out a little bit about Anne's personal journey today in the podcast. Anne's aspiration for the rural industry is conservation of the food chain. Anne says we currently utilise approximately only 1% of edible plant species to fuel our diets. She's committed, therefore, to supporting more innovation around the development of highly nutritional food sources. So welcome, Anne. We're really Really thrilled to have you join us today in our podcast series. How are you? Oh, great. Yeah, wonderful to be here. Thank you, Gail. You're very welcome. So I thought before we start more specific questions, you might want to just tell us a little bit about your your background, your career history, you know, who you are and where you've come from. Have you got a few things that you'd like to tell the listeners today? Oh, thanks, Gail. I guess it's you know, it's not that glamorous, um, pretty much, pretty mainstream. I actually come from a mechanical background. My husband and I, Jeff, have run a mechanical repair business for 23 years. And just in the last couple of weeks, we've taken that massive leap and sold that business. And now we're launching ourselves into, into beekeeping full time. So it just goes mm-hmm. to show that you're never too old to, to take that big, big leap. We're finding that with a lot of people our age, they're just deciding that, yeah, this is the year for doing something that they've always wanted to do. Other than uh, mechanical repair business, I guess I was a late starter in regards to education. I was very privileged to uh, attend the University of the Sunshine Coast. I graduated in 2015 with a Bachelor of Business with a minor in Commerce Accounting, and I'd have to say that has really changed my life. 
definitely goes to show that it's never too late to go to university and gain that education. It certainly opened up a lot of doors for me and really helped moving forward with the honeybee business, High Haven. That's great. So what motivated you to go back to higher education, to, to go into higher education? Do you remember what was going on at that time that motivated that? Yeah, I do remember what was going on at that time, Gail. It was quite a pivotal moment. I ran for local council here on the Sunshine Coast. I obviously didn't didn't get up, but a very old friend, Helen Page, an old dairy farmer uh, family up at Peachester, she said, go to university and get an education. So I've always really loved bookkeeping and accounting and I guess Jeff, my husband, he really spurred me on as well. So for the next three years, I, uh, yeah, really bogged down. I already had a diploma of business, so so that cut a little bit of fat for me. But, yeah, the people I met and just sitting in those lectures and absorbing that information, it, it still was a precious time for me. Oh, that's really good to hear. And it's great that actually not only was it wonderful to be in those spaces and engage with new ideas and information, but actually you, you've, you've used that and you've used that momentum um, subsequently as well. That's that's super. So it sort of links to my first question in some ways there because what I was going to ask was what characteristics or specific skills do you think that, that have contributed to your professional achievement and success? Now, some of those may be the specific skills and knowledges that you gain through your degree, but I dare say that life experience and other work opportunities that you've had will have contributed to that. So you know, if somebody had to ask you that question around what characteristics and specific skills do you think contribute to your personal as well as your professional achievement and success, what, how might you answer that question? Hmm. Well, I guess depending on, on the time of the day or what day of week, that answer would be, I would say, slanted towards life experience and mistakes, like learning from mistakes has probably been my greatest uh, tool in life and just getting back up and having another go, asking for advice, definitely, collaborating, and there's always somebody out there who has done it or who knows how to do it a 100 times better than you. So ask for advice and and be appreciative of, of any advice. You don't have to take it all on board, but definitely it's a great way to learn. Yeah, that's that's really good. Actually, all of your responses there seem quite humble, that you're not afraid to make mistakes, but the important thing is learning from them. So that, that, I think that speaks a lot about who you are as a person as well, and, and obviously the characteristics and success that you attribute to those things. Oh, I dare say people think that you offer those things back to them as well. Have there been any people or any support networks that have helped you achieve your success? Yeah, definitely the ones that come to mind. When I was starting my journey, when I was at university, I undertook some entrepreneurial modules and that was led by Dr. Reetha Sheepers and that provides, just really stimulates, gets you, gets you thinking outside the square. Really fortunate at that time to link up with the Innovation Centre. I attended a pitch competition, really fortunate to win a year's membership there. So I was able to beg and borrow membership there for quite a few years and they were instrumental in the development of Hive Haven. Startups find it very difficult to be able to afford, you know, solicitors to to write your patents and register your company, business plans, marketing, 
all those sorts of things. If you don't have the ability and the knowledge to do it yourself, you're really stuck. So I'd really have to thank the Innovation Centre for for that learning and their understanding when it comes to knowing that startups find it really difficult to finance pretty much everything that they have to do. Yeah. So a huge amount of resource there, not just not just knowledge, but actual practical and um, intellectual resource and financial support as well that came through that. And that's really interesting because a lot of universities, not all, but most universities actually have some sort of innovation wing or as in terms of the University of the Sunshine Coast and Innovation Centre. So I would be suggesting that anybody out there with a, with a really good startup idea but with not without necessarily that network, that might be a good um, term for contact as well for people at home. What impact do you hope to achieve in and through your work? Well, in and through my work, I'd really love to raise the profile of the farming community, not here only here on the coast, but throughout Australia, throughout the world. Farming, you know, it's becoming more and more difficult. Silent workers, I think that's another great passion of mine. Women. Uh, for many years, I have lived in Beerbarrum here on the Sunshine Coast, one of the largest, or it was the largest soldier settlement in Queensland. And I had the privilege of interviewing many siblings of soldier settlers. And what really came through was those women who, they were silent workers. They stood alongside their, their men who had come back from war. Many of them didn't even really know those men. And out on those acre blocks, yeah, very difficult life. So I think the silent women is a story that I'd really like to raise and and push forward. So really fortunate to have the opportunity with AgriFutures. It's a new role that that they've brought on and understandably they can see there's a real need and they really value as much as I do the fact that rural women can contribute just so much to the economy and the financial well-being and future of Australia. So if there were people at home that had a, a really good kind of idea for maybe a startup or a community organisation or something within one of those um, agricultural communities, how might they contact AgriFutures? AgriFutures, yeah, they've just, just revamped their website and I'd recommend everyone just jump on and have a look. I think you'll be surprised at just what they offer and how many opportunities. There's something there for everyone. Oh, brilliant. I'll I'll be doing that myself as well after this. Thank you. So we all know it professionally as well as personally, sometimes getting out of bed is quite difficult even, but to persist in a professional endeavour when sometimes doors are closed or there are hurdles that seem out of reach really does take a lot of motivation, a lot of commitment. What or who motivates you in your work? Well, I guess Hive Haven has faced some difficult challenges in its development. Australian native honey is, is a very new kind of different product. Obviously, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders have used it for tens of thousands of years as a food and medicine source. But for it to become mainstream, it's got a massive as as a new industry here on the Sunshine Coast and throughout Queensland. So that was a huge challenge for myself and High Haven, just knocking on doors and continuously being knocked back in regards to 
I guess, trying to develop that product to a, to the point it is at the moment. We're the only company in Australia that's bottling it and labelling it and retailing it. So that was a massive challenge. And I guess the second challenge was developing our native beehive, which we wanted to design a native beehive that would alleviate hive overheating. A lot of people really aspired us to do that and had it not been for the whole Sunshine Coast community just picking us up every time we failed, we wouldn't be here today. I'd really have to thank Silicon Coast Group here on the Sunshine Coast and attending their network events and also the Food and Agri Network, Sunshine Coast Council, and, of course, the Innovation Centre, the uh, networking events they used to put on. So network, 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 you can never get enough of it. It just gives you the energy to, to keep going. I love that answer. Thank you so much because if people don't know who you are and what you've got as a product or a service or what you can offer, then they're not going to engage you, you know, if they don't know what you have. But a lot of people find networking quite challenging. Yeah, you do have to force yourself to go a little bit. Like I'm I'm uh, naturally an introvert, like I'm an INTJ, so I yeah do struggle with networking in Brisbane there's so many startup and innovation and food and agri networking events and yeah just just being polite and not too aggressive with your with your product we all think our product or service is the only one that should be looked at but yeah there's a lot a lot of competition out there and taking a product sample along has probably been a lot easier for me. A little vial of native honey, it's very novel and people go, oh, wow. Like a, and then that starts conversation. The bee conversation is quite universal. And, yeah, I, I think having a product sample really helped, really helped Hive Haven just break those oh, barriers. Yeah, no, that's excellent. Thank you. There's a lot of really useful tips there so what characteristics or traits do you most admire in women leaders or successful business women that you know mm. traits that I admire just their story I guess their personal personal journey and their determination like it's definitely determination is what gets you across the line and they band together and they network well, and they collaborate. I think collaboration of women has definitely seen some amazing projects and flourish. Brilliant. So a lot of those things really require ah, communication skills, speaking with people, meeting new people, communicating your key message. Do you prepare in advance when you're engaging with people, do you have a, a story about Hive Haven? Do you have do you have a three minute pitch sort of rehearsed or, or, or developed? Do you think do you think those things help your communication strategy as well? Yes, definitely, and a few different pitches to suit the situation and suit suit the environment. I think the bees have assisted so much in the plight of bees. With my pitch, it's made it so much easier. Everyone has a bee story or or some connection to that world, so mm. it really makes the conversation 
a lot easier. If you had three minutes or less to tell somebody about the importance of bees um, in our ecosystem, what would you tell me? What would you tell us? Mm. I think I'd just try to reinforce what what that person already knows and understands, yeah, their level and then try and leave them with some new piece of information. You know, an avid vegetable gardener, some aren't even aware that if they plant a few extra lettuce and let them go to seed, they'll be rewarded with, you know, beautiful flowers and they'll be providing a food source for the bees. So, so yeah, just adding a little bit of information to what the person already knows and understands. That's great. So that requires you to actually engage, listen, so that you know where that person is and then meeting them where they are to take them to the next stage. And there's a lot of interpersonal communication skills required for that. Do you think that's something that you can get better at with practice? Yes, definitely. Active listening and also the form norm and storm stage, like moving into a group if if I have to engage with that person or a small group for you know you know maybe an informal group or a formal length of time I think practicing those communication tools is in is important yeah we're we're so busy aren't we Anne we live really really busy lives and I don't mean just you or I I mean we generally as a population seem to be getting busier and busier but how do you manage your time this move that we've just undertaken has been massive after being in our last location for 23 years and packing up a whole mechanical repair business and the honey processing plant and our household has been major. We're still living in boxes and I don't actually have an office yet, but, but yeah, time, yeah, time is, yeah, it's something I think and I worry about uh, probably like yourself, just yeah, a lot. When am I going to have time to slow down and and just enjoy what I'm what I want to do? But I'm a workaholic as well. I uh, work and Hive Haven is my hobby. So yeah, I just love doing it. It doesn't seem like a a job. I have to say, I'm pretty pretty happy to be uh, doing what I'm doing at the moment. Yeah, we live in a good time. I mean, I know I'm not right. I'm not denying the fact that women perhaps are still not given the same opportunities or the same level of value or status as, as our male counterparts in, in many areas. But we live in a relatively good time, don't we, in terms of there are opportunities now for women to develop their own skills, um, to develop their own businesses and to be taken seriously than I think we have been in the past so for me I'm also a workaholic but I'm, I also kind of almost see it like that there's been a legacy and I'm standing on the shoulders of those women that have put in place the platforms that we can now stand on to be independent to be financially engaged and, and productive for ourselves and our communities um, this, I don't know whether I just use that as a rationale for, for overworking but it, but in some ways I'm compelled to, to work to contribute because I know that for many other generations of women that hasn't been an opportunity. Yeah I'd, I'd strongly agree I think you framed that exceptionally well what comes to mind is you know back in the day when the tax return was sent in the mail, I can still remember in the 70s, my father arriving home from work and the tax return check was there and, and my mother just standing there want, demanding to know like how much it was and 
that kind of thing. And and he he just didn't think he had to tell us. So he was a loving, yeah, lovely man. And uh, mm. but that was just the times. And yeah, so I I really think back that we do owe those past generations of women. I think I think we've been the glue. <laughs> I think we're often the glue to communities and to community success. And and I think we are actually finally getting more recognition and a little bit more opportunity for us to to be often um, recognised then and and have opportunities available to us that we haven't necessarily had before. But but there are still challenges and those challenges sometimes are gendered and sometimes they might be location-based. You know, there may be some argument that perhaps in rural environments, um, women and, and lots of other people don't necessarily ha- um, have the same opportunities and access to, to opportunities that they might have if they were living in a metropolitan area. That's that's maybe one set of barriers, but we, we all encounter lots of barriers, I guess, um, through our lives. How do you overcome or manage your challenges? When High Haven was first starting up, I can remember driving home um, many times and just sitting in the carport and crying and crying and crying, not wanting to, to go inside because something hadn't happened that I, you know, that I'd probably told my husband that that would happen and I just didn't want to face the you know the fact that yeah I hadn't got it across the line so yeah I guess that that was a really big challenge and I coped coped by crying a lot and also I guess the mentorship at the innovation center and just wanting to live up to people's expectations like we said that we would build a a native beehive that would alleviate hive overheating. We went through eight different prototypes and we finally put version nine on the market. So that's how I coped, just knowing that we couldn't stop because the black hole was so deep and we had promised uh, not only the Sunshine Coast community but pretty much half of Queensland by this point that we were going to develop this box. So saying that we were going to do something uh, we just have to keep going. Yeah, it holds you accountable, doesn't it? Making that statement. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Though, look, I, I cope by crying as well. I think a lot of us, I think it resonates with, with a lot of us as well. And it's not necessarily a sign of weakness. It just means that we care deeply, that we are truly invested in our projects, in our commitments that we've made. And, of course, that means that we get disappointed and we just have to kind of almost dust yourself off and and start again the next day I guess yeah I agree and you get to a point where you've got a few balls in the air so if one you know if one falls you've still got a few more up there so so the falls aren't as bad because you've still got some bouncing yeah thank you good to remember because sometimes we do put all of our eggs in one basket don't we but if we can keep one or two other things at the projects or work whatever it is opportunities afloat then the devastation is is not necessarily so bad thank you do you do you have any particular tips or strategies for how you communicate you know how you communicate to potential investors or to people with whom you're hoping will stop your product or your, your products. Is there a strategy that you might have for somebody at home who's got an idea but hasn't actually started to communicate that idea yet? In my experience, communicating 
yeah, verbally written in the early days. I used to send emails. These They were way too long. Like I used to send like these very, very long emails and then I was told one day by someone who said, yep, I did read this two paragraphs. And then I realised that, that, yeah, I probably was. The emails were, were way too long. Uh, planning to go to an event, definitely send an email the night before and ask uh, a few. I find that works with government officials, uh, local, mm-hmm. state and federal. If I'm going to an event and I know somebody will be there, I'll, I'll ask for an introduction formally. Brilliant. Yeah, I find the the politicians, staffers, yeah, you know, they're the ones who, who know what's going on. You know, don't ignore them. That's probably rule number one. The PA, the ones that you need to, to talk to and align with. Probably another piece of advice would be, yeah, just short and sweet and try to read the vibe of the person. You know, if they're trying to work the room and they've had to speak to many, many people in a day, I learn by my mistakes. I know with one of the chief entrepreneurs, I... I just rambled and rambled on to that person and he was trying to get away from me and poor gentleman couldn't. So so that was yeah, that was a really bad on my my point. But thankfully a few years down the track I, I did meet another Queensland chief entrepreneur, Leanne, and she was lovely. We had a quick chat and I kept it really short and sweet. And then before I knew it I had an email. They were coming to the coast and they they came and visited us at our house and we did a bit of a sampling and we looked at the native bees and I invited some women from from around town and we sat there and just laughed and laughed and laughed all afternoon. So so mm. I've learned by my mistakes in regards to communication for sure. Yeah, amazing strategies there. Do you do you have a card? So when you keep it short and sweet, do you leave them with something or how do you how do you kind of close that mini deal in a way? Yeah, definitely give them a card. I'll ask them for a, for a card, and now I write on the cards with the biro uh, where I met the person and and who they were because yeah, otherwise I forget. Yeah, no, that's great. And you, do you follow up with an email or thank you, good to meet you? Or... Yes, I do the majority of the time. Not as much as I should do, do though. I think. I think that's an area that I'd sadly lack in and I do miss opportunities by not not doing that. Mm. There's some great strategies there, meeting and engaging with the staffers and the PAs and keeping it short and simple, really good strategies. Now, we've talked a lot, you know, we've talked about traits in leadership, et cetera, that you like or that you admire. We've talked about your journey. We've talked about networking and challenges and communication strategy. Do you have anything else that you'd like to to share with the listeners at home today or any other advice or or stories that you'd like to share before we leave today? Well, I guess when you're trying to get a new product, uh, breakthrough with a new product or or business, the only bit of advice I could give is collaboration and just building a team of stakeholders. Women really need a dream team and, yeah, when you do fall back, yeah, that dream team will be there telling you that 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 you will succeed. And women are just so good at that. Having that dream team is is really important. And collaboration. When we put our native bee boxes out on display around the coast, that very first concert 
hive. It was just a 3D printed concept hive. People just saw that and started feeding ideas in. We were very fortunate because we couldn't afford scientists or engineers to actually develop that product. So, yeah, any tip for a startup? If you've got a product, sometimes keeping it close to your chest is important, but Mm -hmm. it worked for us to just get it out there, open source product, everyone contributed, and it got us, yeah, got us across the line. There's a lot of trust required there, isn't there? Putting your idea out there, putting your baby out there. There was, yep, and we kept thinking somebody's going to steal this idea, but nobody was probably silly enough to. (laughs) We we just, I guess people kept thinking that, you know, next week this product was going to be on the market. We just kept alluring alluring to that fact, but, in fact, it took four years. And as I said before, the eight, eight prototypes to finally get to a version that we could put on the market. I think Adrian McCallum, who is a lecturer and part of, the USC, he was just wonderful in propping me up quite a few times and I had many meetings in his office where I just sat there and cried. So, so yeah, someone someone like him on your on your team is, is yeah, it goes a long way. Now, is Adrian an engineer? Is that- yes, he is an yeah. engineer. He's, he helped me. Obviously, he could understand the engineering uh, lingo and was a great support in that area, but leadership. I think building leaders is something that he definitely, definitely helped me with understanding how to be a leader. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. So, look, thank you for trusting us with your story and with all your insights today as well. It's been incredibly generous of you to share your time, but also all of that amazing kind of learning that you've had that you're able to share with us now that will hopefully motivate and and, um, support others in their journey as well we're really grateful for your time today thanks so much Anne. it's been great talking with you yeah thanks gail and yeah i'm really looking forward to listening to the other interviews that you that you're undertaking thank you and we'll speak to you soon thanks Anne. take care thanks gail thank you so much for listening to the real rural women's leadership podcast series If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd be delighted if you would take a couple of minutes to rate and review our podcast on your chosen listening platform. If you'd like to learn more about this series or get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so via our website at www.realruralwomensleadership.com, where you'll also find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts. Thanks again for listening.